This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket, Fandraft, and Bet Online. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Once again, joined by Mr. Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners over at Rotoviz, the author of that original Zero RB article. We're going to be talking again today, as we did on the show earlier this week with Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points. Looking forward to diving into more discussion with him. If you haven't checked out the show from earlier in this week, obviously head on back after this one and have a listen to that. Uh, really really enjoyed it as we talked about bell cow rbs versus uh, the zero rb strategy so looking forward to that uh, sean before we get into it i, I want to mention as well uh, you were on my good friend pat fitzmorris's fits on fantasy podcast this week uh, a podcast that i uh, edit and produce uh, i really enjoyed listening along to that one lots of great uh, insight and obviously on this show we talk almost solely about uh, fantasy football or football in general uh, it's always fun i like listening to when you jump on to some of those other shows and that's where i get a, a little bit more insight into the the background of sean siegel some tennis talk in there uh, and lots of other bits and pieces so l- l- enjoyed listening into that one as well we're going to jump straight into the ffpc stat attack for this week we're going to look at leonard fournette in terms of the running back position and expected points versus fantasy points over expectation in terms of last season 2019 that is fournette finishing number two overall and expected points just behind christian mccaffrey mccaffrey was a long way ahead with 396 versus leonard fournette's 304 expected points but that was in the range of uh, the next three guys in the list with ezekiel elliott Aaron jones and nick chubb all in the range between 283 and 250 points uh, in terms of their expectations the part where the efficiency i guess comes into question is the other four guys all posting positive fantasy points over expectation leonard fournette showing up with minus 43.5 fantasy points over expectation nick chubb the lowest out of the rest and he was still on plus 10.4 10.4 so a lot less efficient from Fournette, and really pretty drastic in terms of uh, the overall fantasy point over expectation but um a big big way shows again obviously we'd like to highlight christian mccaffrey just shows how far ahead of the rest he was but he was 74.6 points over expectation close on his heels was Aaron jones with 65.3 points over expectation obviously the ffpc stat attack is brought to you by the ffpc they are the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry including dynasty best ball and of course the world famous ffpc main event to learn more or to join the league today head on over to my ffpc.com that's my ffpc.com so as he did on the show earlier this week we are joined once again by scott barrett scott thanks for jumping aboard once more Oh, thanks for having me on. 
we we uh we can uh peel back the curtain a little bit for the listeners uh, we are recording this straight away after the edition that we recorded on tuesday so uh, <laughs> we can we can peel back the curtain uh always do the nice pleasantries and do the introduction as we go but uh, a little bit behind the scenes um we're looking forward to today's show we're going to talk a bit about dynasty strategy we're also going to talk a little bit more about the mfl 10 of death from last year and some player selections that we uh you know might dive into as well as to who we like i'm just going to ask uh based on a question i was going to ask on the earlier show this week was when you're talking about that uh bell cow you know that you want to get them where is the cutoff point for you let's say if you're drafting in that first round myself and sean have talked a lot of times about if you're picking really uh, pick four is how far back i'm happy to go with one of those top four running backs you know i could be pushed to go as far as the fifth spot but that spot really unless somebody falls between uh probably around six or sorry pick six and pick 12 I, i'm going a different way whether that's tight end or wide receiver is there a cutoff point for you in that first round or is it is there a running back that you're happy to go with in that first round at all times yeah, I mean, I, I actually think there's like a big top six at the running back position. Uh, you know, McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Dalvin Cook. The holdout with Cook makes me a little nervous. His injury history makes me a little nervous. But but I do like that top six. And then after that, in the, the late first, um, if I can't get one of those guys, Miles Sanders or, or Kenyon Drake, I'm, I'm very happy with. But of course, you know, it. Michael Thomas late first or Travis Kelsey in a tight end premium league. Um, I'd be happy with those guys as well. Scott, one of the things that we are also moving into right now, along with all of these redraft leagues, we have another wave of dynasty startups going. And certainly at all times, dynasty players need to be aggressively making trades to improve their rosters. We had the chance to do a couple of dynasty drafts together this year, both of them a lot of fun. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that you approached them from the very opposite ends of the spectrum I, I think that listeners will be sort of shocked to hear like just how far opposite ends and one of them you sold picks so aggressively that you have and you've actually done this in a number of leagues but uh, some listeners may not have really ever seen something like this quite happen you've got six round one and four round two picks for 2021 kind of in the bank now, in the other draft, you ended up with players like Kelsey Ertz, Robinson, Thielen, Carson, Edelman. So very much a win-now approach. Which draft did you like better and, and kind of what was the catalyst for taking it two different ways? Uh, yeah, really, ideally, I, I do want to veer in one direction. I want to go where the value is. So in... Uh, that one league where I did go win now, it was there was very little competition to go win now. There were a lot of people trying to acquire rookie picks, but there weren't a lot of people selling them. And we saw, I think this is a tight end premium league. We saw it was like round, I don't know. It was it was it was late and Travis Kelsey was still on the board. Uh, some other, you know, old guys were still on the board. And I, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I will be the one to go win now and just have the most stacked team. And I think by a good margin, I am the most stacked team. I, I think by a margin too, which, which, which is important, which is valuable. If I win this league year one, guess what? I have nine years paid for in terms of the buy-in. So that's, that's awesome. But I really don't like to go that route. I'd rather go uh, the other way, but again, veering hard in a specific direction. And that was uh, this other league where I did just stockpile picks, um, and I think I did it at a, a decent price. And, and what you'll see from that team, 
uh, I just went full win later. You know, there, there, there was a lot of competition in this league to win year one. There were like four or five teams. And then there were maybe four more teams who were, hey, if I win year one, great. But I, I also have a bunch of young guys. And there wasn't as much competition. Actually, only one other player went win later. And uh, again, that's where the value was. And I, I stockpiled value. And, and I'm, I don't want to do well this year. I want to finish dead last. So who's my quarterbacks in this super flex league? Only Case Keenum. No one else. The way I saw it, it was like, all right, well, I'll guarantee myself Trevor Lawrence. And that's one quarterback solved. And then I'll have all these extra firsts and I can add another quarterback ideally. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't go your route. I'm not saying this is the better strategy is I typically do, Hey, there's not a lot of competition to win in year two, year three. I see value there. Let me go that way. But I know you have a different strategy, which I find super interesting and, and maybe is the better way where, where you're not trying to either outright finish dead last in year one or finished in first place. Maybe that's the better strategy, but I don't know. I had fun with these. I think it's a, it's a good way to go when you're looking at like you know in terms of trying to see where you can get that advantage against the the league mates and trying to see where the value is if people are undervaluing those picks in the future you know there is a, a way to gain an edge so I think both strategies can work in both ways and like you mentioned with Sean's strategy kind of continuously uh, trying to you know have a team that's in competition and rebuild those rosters and you know sell players at their the peak of their value that all of those are based basically on the same thing and that's trying to find that edge against your competition so they're, they're all different ways to as they say there's different ways to skin a cat uh, one thing that is interesting for me is the the draft obviously where you you're going to end up having those six first round picks next season you're really going to have a lot uh, to gain in 2021 but i guess uh you know with what's happening around the world at the moment with the talk of the college season what will happen there with the way the nfl season uh, is going to run um you know in terms of the expected timeline for a draft where you're going to have those six picks in 2021 and then the big question i would have in terms of future draft picks is you know it's, it's that debate of should we just like try and cash out on those uh chips right now should we try and trade away our 2021 firsts uh, obviously you can't really trade away six of them <laughs> at this point but you know for people who maybe are looking ahead to their drafts next season and we're going to have a situation where there's going to be a really kind of disrupted draft process for college prospects coming in i see i seen a tweet earlier today and apologies i can't give i can't remember who it was from to give credit from but like basically if we look at how joe burrow was drafted first overall in the draft this year if there was no college season last year probably going to go you know fourth fifth round overall so things really can change in that one year so what's your thoughts on those 2021 picks now i guess uh you know as, as we look ahead to that stage and how, how has the value possibly changed to those picks yeah so like in April or whatever, I was, I was thinking, Oh, this is great. You know, what if there's, I mean, not great. It's like really horrible, honestly, but if there's no <laughs> NFL season, like I'm at an advantage where we all get uh, our opt uh, our, our buy-in back. And then just everyone's players become a year older. All my guys are extremely young and I have all these picks. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, now it looks way worse. If they're like already, we're seeing opt-outs, Rondell Moore, and if there's no college season, then of course our hit rate on these firsts are going to be worse. And it, I think, I think this is, it might not be, but I think this league is a NFL rookie draft before the, the actual NFL rookie, uh, before the actual NFL draft, uh, which means the hit rate on these firsts are going to be really bad regardless. Uh, 
I, I think probably what I should have done was just stockpile uh, round two pick, like round three picks, where um, and, and go for uh, quantity over quality because you know we're not going to know as well. You brought up the the Joe Burrow point. It's also like less of a sample on Rondale Moore, some other guys, and uh, and yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think uh, you know post hindsight would have would have went a different different route. We talked about this a little bit with Curtis last week, Scott, but is there a potential for actually some of these early breakout guys, the really dominant young players to benefit from this in a way where, you know, they don't play and get hurt. They don't have a down season, you know, like a Juju Smith-Schuster or a Chenault. Some of these guys who really are fantastic prospects, but because their final season wasn't the peak season, then they drop a little bit in the draft that maybe now we actually already have, say, 12 guys for next year that are very, very good. And so if you could get people to sell you some of these uh, 2021 rookie picks at a discount that you might actually be looking to buy, or, or really are you trying to get out of these picks? Yeah, honestly, I, I probably need to just think about it a little bit more. But, but right now, I'm not doing anything. I, I think I'm just hoping for the best. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. And with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, you'll never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Simply use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription visit nflsundayticket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Today's show is also brought to you by Fandraft, the fantasy football online draft board. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with Fandraft. Fandraft has some awesome features. I've been testing them out over the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned on last week's show. They make your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. can be used online or offline for in-person drafts. All you have to do is export the display and show it via projector or a large screen TV for your whole league to enjoy. Fandraft also can be set up for pretty much any customization to meet your league's requirements. And the good news is if you sign up to Fandraft.com, you can get a free trial, but you can also get yourself a discount off a pro account when you're ready to make the leap. You can use the code RotoBiz15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com. Use the promo code RotoBiz15 to save 15%. Now, we've been we've been teasing this for the the vast majority of the show, but we, we've gotten down <laughs> to where we're going to talk about some of these specific player selections and the MFL 10 of death from last year that won Scott the league. And much more importantly, we're going to get his league winners for you this year so that when you are in your redraft and best ball leagues, you can do what he did and annihilate that round 13 to round 20 range. Because frankly, if you make a couple of good picks there, you are going to win. Now, last season's draft uh, these even weren't all of the guys there were a couple other good picks as well but scott you won the mfl 10 of death because you drafted darren waller you drafted mark andrews you drafted dj tark in the 20th round you have been telling us about some of your favorite picks you mentioned mark keith brown on the first show do you have some guys that are must own players this year and uh, mid-round guys like brown or late round guys like uh chark was last season yeah so hollywood's definitely a must draft player deontay johnson's really damn close to that antonio brown um 
a little bit less valuable in, in best ball, but in a, a redraft, extremely just draft him every single time, especially in like the FFPC leagues. Um, also in a league like that, Irv Smith, who I drafted in the MFL 10 of death. I think, I think he's my Waller slash Andrews this year. I mean, it's tough. Like tight ends, like awesome. Like I, I really wish I didn't draft a tight end in round four in, in the MFL 10 of death, just because there's so many guys. There's Chris Herndon, Jonu Smith, Blake, Blake Jarwin. It's just, just a really great year for, for late round tight end, I think. Uh, but yeah, Irv's probably my favorite in a best ball. Um, Steven Sims, every single draft must draft just like, I don't know that he has league winning upside for a start sit league, but he's just like a glaring value wherever he's being drafted, where he's the clear number two receiver and McLaurin's going to get heavy concentration from opposing defenses. Uh, Muhammad Sanu is another guy like that, just a clear ADP beater. You know, Belichick gave up quite a bit for him and, you know, he had like 14 targets and like one of his two healthy games and then the wheels fell off injury wise. Um, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger. um, I want one of those guys in like every, every draft. Um, Again, I see a lot of late round, mid round wide receiver value. And and maybe that's just my bias as an early round running back uh, drafter, but I I do see a, a lot more value in the, the wide receiver. Now, I know Colum has a question. He definitely uh, is chomping at the bit to to ask here. But before we get to that, I wanted to follow up because we mentioned you had Waller last year. You mentioned you were going for the uh, late round guys. I do want to throw in a little bit of note about uh, Steven Sims. Great pick there. Uh, I was pushing Curtis to consider him in our pros versus Joe's dynasty startup. He was not interested. We'll see how that works out. Uh, Waller, somebody I noticed that you have come back to again this year in several leagues we've been in together and I thought that was an interesting pick. Are you concerned at all about the additions that the Raiders have made and that maybe if he's not like the only guy on that team who can do anything, that there will be some volume concerns or he, or is he now a really kind of a stud who's here to stay? Yeah. So I took him four twelve in the NFL 10 of death and just that player at that pick was probably in a vacuum, like a pretty not good pick. But I, I think if you look at my roster construction, it, it makes sense. So I had Beers, like, I'm good friends with Beers. He's just, he's just the best, and, like, I defer to him on best ball stuff. He's like, yeah, the win rate on RB3 is, like, really, really bad. And I'm just like, oh, God. And I'm, like, reading all these articles. And I'm like, all right, what do I what, – what can I do to make up some – back some ground? And really I thought was, okay, I need to draft a tight end early. So I only draft two tight ends, and then I load up on wide receivers – so let me just get the best uh, available wide re- tight end. So I'm not locked into, I have to draft three tight ends. I ended up drafting three tight ends, but I just wanted that flexibility. I thought that was important to give me an extra wide receiver to make up some ground. And again, in best ball, I do like a, a quantity over quality approach, or I have historically gone that route just because it's such a high variance position week to week, a high ceiling position. And again, like I said, there's a lot of late round wide receivers I like, but just Waller in particular, I, a lot of people are outright fading him. I don't think that's the right move. I think he's like about appropriately priced. So in the uh, post-draft press conference, uh, following the decision to take uh, Henry Ruggs, John Gruden was just, yeah, our offense runs through Darren Waller. We want him, you know, feasting uh, in the middle of the field. And towards the second half last year, defense is really just like, plugged up the middle of the field to, to try and limit 
uh, Waller and you saw that his efficiency declined. Uh, but we think Ruggs is a great guy to complement Waller who can, you know, take the top off the defense, push safeties back and really open up the offense to give Waller room to, to, to dominate or whatever. And it just really seemed like he, he his number one guy in this passing attack is going to be Darren Waller. So, um, you know, a lot of people are worried about a, a drop off in targets. I, I don't really think that's necessarily true. I know they have like zero uh, receiver help, but basically I think the targets are going to be there. I could see efficiency uh, improve. Uh, and again, this is a guy that there was just like, he had 13 career receptions before last year. So yeah, there is some improvement that could be coming. Sean mentioned as well, obviously, that you, you hit on DJ Chark last year and yeah, obviously it was a smash, a smash win there once you get uh, him on board. And it was something that I don't know if, if we could say we seen it coming. It was something that like, you know, kind of came from nowhere, like a bolt from the blue, really. But yeah, I did not see that coming. That was a prototypical Sean Siegel pick, you know, draft the <laughs> undervalued player in his sophomore season who carries high draft capital that was just like right out of the sean siegel text yeah and there's a couple of players that do fit into similar scenarios this year that maybe didn't uh, hit the ground running quite as much as uh, we probably hoped somebody who uh, i was certainly a big fan coming out of college was uh, andy isabella with the arizona cardinals obviously a lot of change there this offseason when you know you get somebody like deandre hopkins coming in from the, the houston texans but Christian Kirk, another player I, I really like. But do you think Andy Isabella might fit into that mold for, for this season? He's somebody you took in the, the 20th round of the MFL 10 a day, so maybe fits in to a similar a similar profile. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he sort of seems like the odd man out. He's the forgotten, he's the forgotten man, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Arizona runs a lot of four wide receiver sets. He carries high draft capital, elite speed. Who was he in college? He was this guy who... Uh, you know, would have these explosion plays, these explosion weeks. Uh, and I think like, even if he is just wide receiver four, even if he doesn't have, even if he a- finishes the season averaging like four targets per game, it's still possible for him to post uh, a few blow up weeks and and find his way into my starting lineup. I mean, he's he's definitely not not my DJ Chark, but, uh, but he, he, <laughs> he's a fine wide receiver 20 pick in a league where you know the cupboard was pretty bare at wide receiver by round two. Now Scott you mentioned as well that Deontay Johnson was one of the guys that you felt like was a must draft. He fits on one of two wide receiver depth charts that I think are really interesting confusing. I have the potential for people to you know get their league winners there or really kill themselves and I wanted to get your take help us sort of sort these depth charts out. So starting with the Steelers here is Johnson the clear wide receiver two to where there really is minimal competition from Washington and Claypool? And then is this a situation? I, we were very high on Juju coming out. Then obviously he has those wonderful first two years to start his career. And then last year, everything falls apart in terms of you know the quarterback play, but also his play. Is there a chance that Johnson ends up actually being the wide receiver one here or, or is Juju you're trying to get some exposure to as well? Yeah, I think there's legitimately a chance Deontay could be the wide receiver one. I mean, I mean, Juju's yeah, Juju's great. He set the record for most receiving yards by any player before the age of 23 all time. And then he turned 23 and he got hurt and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger hadn't been healthy since week two. And, uh, 
so I mean, like, yeah, Juju has upside. Juju's, you know, a little mispriced because of the injuries and, and the bad quarterback play. But I'm I'm really just drafting Deontay where, where I can. I, I think there's there's what, like five rounds separating them by ADP. I think the chances Deontay outscores Juju uh, much better than that. I, I think he is just an absolute freak of nature who I, I've liked since college because, you know, Mike Renner was just in my ear all day. Like Deontay Johnson is amazing. He's, he's going to get drafted early. He's the best. And then it happened. And, and uh, just look at what he did last year. He uh, led all wide receivers and missed tackles forced he led all wide receivers in average separation. He led all wide receivers in um, uh, percentage of targets being charted as open when the ball was released from the quarterback's hand per PFF. Uh, and he had like the worst quarterback play. And, and I really, and I do think Roethlisberger likes those uh, elite separators, like all the wide receivers who've done well in Pittsburgh were the elite separate, like even Mike Wallace was, and he did all this with a sports hernia injury. So uh, really think there's a chance uh, he can just absolutely break out. There's a lot of sophomore wide receivers I love this year. Uh, and I, I do think, although like McLaurin, uh, A.J. Brown, Metcalf are all world, world beaters, I do think the ADP values are, are Deontay Hollywood still. And uh, no offense, I just think, I think uh, to these guys, but just really not a James Washington fan and not a Chase Cleveland. Yeah, Claypool was somebody who <laughs> continuously kept falling in rookie drafts this year to me. Um, I think he, there's there's something there that could be interesting, but was more a case of continuously fell into my my lap, and you know nobody else wanted to draft him at any point. So uh, he's he's on a number of those uh, dynasty squads heading into this season. Uh, I I still think there's a big bounce back coming for Juju. You mentioned you know Roethlisberger and his injury and. A lot of the things that would be downsides for Juju uh, or for Johnson last season, even though he did uh, perform well, would also be uh, you know things that are going to come right for Juju this year. So I think both are interesting candidates, and I, I like both of them uh, for good seasons this year. Uh, the one that I want to ask you about is a, a, a kind of a roster that's quite interesting, uh, and that's the New York Giants. And, you know, we're talking about. You know Evan Ingram uh, coming back from his injury, Sterling Shepard, who's who's been somebody who, while been healthy, has been very uh, productive. Darius Slayton coming last year as a rookie was very productive. Um, the one player who's uh, not been talked a huge amount about at all, and Curtis had an interesting piece in him earlier uh, this season. I actually had a, uh, a home league draft this past week, and I actually drafted Slayton and Golden Tate, who's the next player, and Tate went a few rounds later. So there's a couple of interesting pieces here. Daniel Jones developing as quarterback in, a, a, in the league. So what's your thoughts with uh, the Giants in general? But do you think that you know Slayton is he is he the the wide receiver to be targeting actually out of the tree in this offense, or or have you a different way of maybe looking at it? Yeah, I, I don't really know that I'm I'm targeting any of these guys, but uh, I'm definitely not drafting uh, Sterling Shepard. I think he's just playing out of position. He played out of position last year. He His only really good games were, were when he was in the slot, uh, but when and his only, you know, really productive plays were from the slot, but when Golden Tate was, was healthy and not suspended, uh, they moved Shepard outside where he really struggled, where he's really struggled throughout his the entirety of his career. Uh, if you break out his splits by yards per route run from the slot versus outside, he's like easily one of the league's least efficient wide receivers from the outside since entering the NFL. Evan Ingram, it's just when does an injury value become an injury trap? And, and it's when a guy's not 
healthy by draft day and, and doesn't look like he's anywhere close to 100%. It looks like week one, looks like he's, at least according to our injury expert, it's unlikely he's going to suit up and be 100% for week one. And I, I don't really see that factored into ADP. Plus the injury is something that lends itself towards like guys slipping by like 20% of their typical production. Uh, so yeah, who does that leave us with? That leaves us with Slayton, Golden Tate. You know, Slayton's a, a, a sophomore who's surprised, who could really, you know, he could break out. Wide receivers tend to take a big leap in their sophomore seasons. He's also sort of like a, a best ball prototype, maybe. He had a bunch of uh, deep targets that he turned into touchdowns, a lot of boom games. And then Golden Tate's probably like the safer floor play, like a dependable He's just a player I love. I just think he's just a really good talent, really, uh, and and he should beat his ADP. Slayton's the guy that I'm most interested in from that group, and, and think that he could make a big leap, be sort of the the DJ Chark uh, kind of guy this year. Even though there are a lot of differences, then he was drafted later, but he actually was successful as a rookie. I think the thing here that maybe people don't realize is just how athletic he is and he's really the guy who if someone emerges from that group could be the star it's interesting when you go in and you play with our sim scores our range of outcomes uh tool to see that it, it likes all of those guys but in part it likes all of them because when they played last year they got good volume and so from a per game basis projecting that forward you think oh well this is great until you realize that number one these guys do get hurt but then number two if they're all out there together their volume situations are very different than what it looks like if you go per game uh scott we've got to let you go we yeah you and i are going to record actually another pod here uh in a minute but can you give us your favorite late round league winner for 2020? Uh, yeah, I've definitely given you a few, but uh, yeah, read my my upside wins championships. Upside is everything piece. It's it's uh, Antonio Brown in every single draft and, and, and redraft. Just you know, I, I really think knowing we have no idea where he lands, I, I still think there's a really good chance he could be uh, a league winner, at least a starter in your lineup. Uh, in the second half of the season and when it matters most in the, the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, take one of those those later round, last round picks on a guy like him. Yeah, I suppose the one thing there is what if, if you do miss out and he doesn't he doesn't land up anywhere and he gets a further suspension, you're not really putting any cost into it. So uh, the upside is certainly there. Sean, before we wrap it up, is, uh, do you want to hit us with uh, one late round league winner for the listeners? Oh, well, I, I am not. I'm my thing is the late round league loser. So I, I'm drafting Benny Snell <laughs> everywhere who I think I'm the only person who has him as a draftable player. So I'll just throw that one out there for today. He's going to beat out James Conner for those early and somewhat useless touches but as we talked and as we touched on with scott you know earlier on tuesday you know being out there on the field for those touches can help put you in position to to get some of the key uh high value touches that we actually do care about so yeah what it fantastic to have scott on the show very appreciative that he was able uh to record for us for an hour here do these shows tuesday and thursday if you haven't, you know, make sure you check out his site, Fantasy Points. Make sure, uh, I know obviously you're already following him on Twitter. You know, check out those big articles, the Upside Wins Championships. If you haven't seen it, the Bell Cow or Bust that he is currently promoting. Lots of great stuff from Scott, and we appreciate having him on. 
the last thing I guess uh, Scott before we get you out of here is uh, is Benny Snell on the, the bell cow list de- no, de- no <laughs> uh, but Connor has yeah so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as the season goes on but as always uh, it's, it's been a pleasure thanks for jumping aboard the show Scott um, for the listeners you can always get yourself that 10% discount of a one year road of his NFL pass that can be done by adding the code 2020RVRadio at checkout or checkoutroadofis.com forward slash podcast for further information uh, my name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter my co-host as always is sean siegel check out his work up on rotaviz.com and as sean mentioned check out scott barrett's great work up at fantasypoints.com as well and you can follow him on twitter at scott barrett dfb until we're back next week with two more shows as always have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with this country the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events Major League Baseball is back and there's no better place to start betting and wagering than our exclusive partners Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online has sat down with a number of former pro players including Eddie George, Harold Reynolds and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use the promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your welcome bonus when you sign up to BetOnline. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.